Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Grotheis. I am your guest and host. This is where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about the things that matter most and have some fun along the way. Today we'll be talking about the philosophy of technology. You are listening to a technology right now, a podcast is one of many mediations that you can be involved with to get information in the world. And we really need to have some kind of a philosophy of technology to use it wisely. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Let me give an example of how to not use technology wisely. About 20 years ago in my class at Denver Seminary, I required my students to memorize some Bible verses. And one of my students objected and he said, Professor, my laptop has all the Bible verses on it. I don't need to memorize them. Well, that argument didn't go very far with me. I said, you need to have them in your soul. You need to have those verses available to you, not merely on your computer? What if you didn't have your computer? So things have gotten uh, even worse in some ways since then. We really need to think through a philosophy of how we use technology, particularly for this episode, communicational technology. So much of education is evaporating into the cloud. We're finding that those that were educated online during the COVID lockdowns are way behind. There is a epidemic of anxiety and depression among many young people, especially who could not be in the classroom with students, with teachers, and so on. And all of us that taught online during COVID were thankful for that in many ways, but we realized that the person-to-person interaction was not something that could be replaced. There was real no subs- there was really no substitute for it. So what I'd like to do is consider communication technology in light of a philosophy of technology from a Christian worldview. So we need to avoid worldliness and aim at godliness. First John two. 15 through 17 says that we should not love the world nor the things of the world, meaning the fallen, lustful, pointless ways of life that exclude God. First Chronicles 12.32 talks about the tribe of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Or to quote Henry David Thoreau, he said, we need to not be tools of our tools. 
technology makes can make a good servant, but is a terrible master. So we need to be alert and aware and discerning. But also we, we, we need to engage. That is, we don't want to be completely outside of these communication media. It's very hard to do, in fact. So we need to have a philosophy of engagement here. So let me give you some key ideas that I derived from Marshall McLuhan, the late media theorist, died in 1980. He said, the medium is the message. This means that the medium shapes the nature and the reception of the message. There is more than content to be considered, just informational content. So communication technologies, whether we're talking about radio, television, the Internet, are not inherently good, they're not inherently evil, and they're not neutral. Now, you might think I just eliminated all the categories, but I didn't. So no technology is good for everything all the time, bad for everything all the time, or is simply a neutral medium that does not shape the message. Every technology shapes the message. I'll give an example. Let's say you attend my church and you are there for the sermon. Much more to a church service than a sermon, but let's just limit it for now to the sermon. You hear the sermon, you see the preacher give the sermon, and you're with the other people who are receiving the sermon. Now, let's say you listen to that sermon online. Well, you've got the same content. Let's say you even see it and hear it. You look at the video. It is still not the same as being there with the preacher and the other congregants because you are not sending signals. You are not making eye contact with anyone. So, the informational content is identical. However, the existential effect is not identical. Moreover, media create whole ecologies or systems of human interaction that become part of the background of how we think and feel. So it's good to bring these technologies into the foreground to analyze them, to interpret them, to exegete them. So the medium is the message. Give another example of this. Let's say you go hear a lecture by someone who has a podcast and you hear them in real time and you're watching them and maybe afterwards you can ask a question in real time. Well, that's quite different than listening to the podcast and on the podcast, perhaps you could speed up or slow down their voice. You have that kind of control on your end. Well, you don't have that when you're there face-to-face, listening to someone give a lecture. Second, these electronic media of communication are what McLuhan called extensions of man. So go to the radio. The radio extends the human voice over a longer distance than it could be projected merely by our vocal apparatus. However, it takes away the personal presence. Also, radio, unless it's interactive talk radio, is one-way communication, whereas face-to-face is two-way communication. Or think of a telephone. A telephone is two-way or more communication in real time, but you do not have the physical, visual presence. Even if you're on something like FaceTime, you're not there with the person. 
so you don't have the touch. So a radio extends the voice, the telephone extends the voice, but it takes away the personal presence, that is, the sight or the touch. These technologies disembody the voice. They increase the reach of words. However, they separate the word from an embodied person. Television, or any kind of visual technology, emphasizes the image over the word, typically, and so the word can become, as Jacques will put it, humiliated. All that matters is the impression created by the image, not the argument or the knowledge that might be conveyed by a particular speaker. So, every medium extends one sense of human communication, but always at the expense of another sense of human communication. So, the medium is the message, and a wise person will properly interpret and properly apply these media to the particular purposes before us. Another important principle is what I call the sensibility of your senses. What I mean by that is, how do you listen? How do you see? How do you feel in the world? This has to do with what is called your sensorium, which means the comportment of your senses and your thoughts in the world. Now, Scripture tells us to take every thought captive to obey Christ, to not have lustful habits of perception, to be thoughtful people, and so on. So your sensibility has to do with the way you take in the world, given your habits and given your values. Today, people are much more oriented to the image and the soundbite than to arguments, to carefully laid out statements about anything. What matters really is the soundbite, the factoid, the talking point, and not really the argument. And when it comes to matters of great importance, such as religion and politics and essential human principles, ways of being human in the world, we need far more than to just skate on the surface of all these images or jingles, or whatever they may be. So, we should be wise stewards of our senses. We should seek to be transformed through the renewing of our minds, Romans 12. We should train our senses to discern the difference between good and evil. We see that in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Now, when we're talking about cyberspace, it's an old word, we're talking about so many things. When I first wrote a book back in 1996 called The Soul in Cyberspace, I was talking really only about things that have even now gone extinct, like CD-ROMs, and I was thinking about a very slow internet. This is before uh, social media. A lot of people used America Online and so on. But now, of course, the internet has become far faster. The reach is greater. The technologies have expanded. Think of all the different apps, the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, so many things. They just keep multiplying. But what we mean here is what could be called computer-mediated communication. So 
if communication is mediated through a computer system, it's not the same as sitting down in one of my classes at Denver Seminary and listening to me lecture, and then you raise your hand and ask a question, and I respond to it. There's no mediation there if you're there face-to-face. You're listening to this, it is mediated. So you could stop it right now and say, that was boring. Uh, I'm going to go see what Taylor Swift is up to. Well, that's your choice. But, you know, if you're talking to me face-to-face, you're probably not going to stop, run out of the room, and say, I need to listen to Taylor Swift. So the computer mediation makes a difference. The medium is the message. The medium affects how you receive the message. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let me give you four possible ways of interacting with computer-mediated communication. One is what I call the digitopian or cheerleader approach. That is, these technologies are almost always good. They speed up life. They increase our access to information. So they must be beneficial. You saw a lot of this in the 1990s when people were discovering the Internet, people like Bill Gates and others were thinking that we simply get more information to more people more quickly, we'll create community. We heard that in the early days of Facebook, and maybe they're still saying that. But of course, there's a downside to all of this, uh, which I will discuss in a moment. Another approach uh, is what's called the Luddite approach, or just deny the technologies, get as far away from them as possible, refuse them. And No one can really do this now unless you're an Aborigine, and they may have trouble doing it as well. Even the Amish don't do this entirely. What they do is they consider any particular technology, and they discuss it in their community and pray about it and decide whether or not it would be supportive of their community. I think that's a wise way to go, whether you're Amish or not. Another approach is just oblivion. You don't think much at all about these media. You simply use them. Perhaps you're intoxicated by them. Perhaps you're addicted to them. 
you don't view them as really producing a better society or a worse society. You simply enter that world, and that's it. The approach that I advocate is what I call critical engagement. That is, understand these media, what they do well, what they don't do well, and keep a biblical worldview that prizes truth and character and godly community. And by all means, beware of idols. Beware of the God of technology, as Neil Postman put it in his book, The End of Education, where we breathlessly await the newest technologies. We are in awe of what these technologies can do. We think we can create a better world through these technologies without realizing that no technology is going to change our sinful nature, and no technology is going to save us from the effects of our sin. That can only be done through Jesus Christ. We need to be careful of what Thoreau called the danger of improved means to unimproved ends. So let's say you have a very powerful web page that is attracting millions of people. You're generating tremendous revenue through this. You're an influencer, and your ideas are bad, and you're not a good person. So you're really not doing much good for the world even though your means of influence are tremendous. One thing I want to focus on as I begin to wrap up is the connection between an uncritical use of the Internet and a postmodern view of truth. The postmodern view of truth is that truth doesn't really exist in any objective sense. Truth is just a matter of perceptions. It's a matter of influencing popular opinion. And we don't think of truth as what corresponds to reality, but rather something that can be constructed or deconstructed. Now, if you have an uncritical engagement of the Internet, you can approach truth in this way. Truth is what the latest meme is, or truth is what the latest fad may be on the Internet. But if something is, is true, a statement is true, it's because it corresponds to reality. It's not made true because it's popular or made false because it's unpopular. It has to do with adherence to facts. And facts remain, whatever the Internet may say, for or against them. Quote scripture, let God be true, though everyone be a liar. The gospel is true whether or not people recognize it, whether or not it is popular, and so on. So we need to be careful to not just emphasize the surface and to be titillated by images. We need to dive deep and try to find truth that matters. We need to be careful not to put images over reality. Images can very easily deceive us and throw us off course. Many images have no correlates with reality at all. They're simply created graphic symbols to manipulate emotions or to sway votes. We need to ask whether or not what we are perceiving on the Internet is true. And we need to emphasize character over influence. Being an influencer now is very popular, and even young people are asked sometimes, what would you like to be when you grow up? And they'll say, an influencer. Well, what do they even have to say at that point? You shouldn't influence people unless you're a good and truthful person. The old idea was to be a public intellectual, and intellectuals supposedly, at least we hope, have something significant to say about reality that maybe you need to know. But just influencing for the sake of influence is vanity. It's absurd. It's just pure egoism, narcissism. 
So how do we try to keep a sane mind on the Internet? First, we need to emphasize the primacy of the personal. We need to resist disembodiment and impersonality. If at all possible, we need to embrace embodiment and personal presence. We need to be there for church. We need to meet with people one-on-one whenever possible. We need to be in the classroom with teachers and students whenever possible. Think of elements of the church that cannot be put online. The laying on of hands, the right hand of fellowship, the holy kiss, weeping with those who weep, laughing with those who laugh, and so on. These are all inexchangeable, irreducible, untranslatable, and incommensurable goods of embodied presence. We found out during the COVID lockdowns that the virtual church is very limited. You cannot experience communion, baptism, and so on. And let's not get deceived by all the special effects and all the manipulations of the Internet. We need to emphasize truth over image. Ephesians 4.15 says that we should speak the truth in love. And as I said, the truth is out there. We do not create the truth. We can discover the truth. We can defend the truth. We can deny the truth, but we do not create it. A true statement is one that matches reality, and knowledge is a justified, true belief. That's what knowing something means, not just have an opinion or an image or reaction, but you believe something is true, you can justify it as true, and it corresponds to reality. The biblical message claims to be objectively, absolutely, and universally true. And so we should aim at truth in all things and keep our integrity online. We want to remain truthful. We don't want to present false views. We don't want to manipulate anyone. And we should not want to be manipulated at all. Let me give you some practical advice about dealing with the Internet and all these mediated ways of interacting with people. For many years, I've given an assignment at Denver Seminary where people have to give up a electronic medium for 10 days. And early on, it was television. Later, it became some aspect of the Internet. And my students, about 95% of the time, will say it had a significant and constructive impact on their lives because they realized that they were online a lot more than they thought. And once they got offline, they realized that they were more peaceful They prayed more, they paid more attention to relationships, and so on. One of my students years ago said he and his wife used to watch films just about every night. And when they both went on this media abstention, they realized that their marriage was in trouble. They needed marriage counseling. So watching these films was really a cover-up. They didn't know it, but it was obscuring uh, their relational difficulty. So that's one way to go is do a media abstention for a week or 10 days, or you could also make time during the day. Let's say the last hour of the day, you're not online. Maybe the first hour of the day, you're not online. Meals, have at least one meal with your family a day where no one is online, where you sit and say grace before you eat and interact with one another. There are many ways to be more discerning online and not be caught up 
in the data flow. Remember, Jesus said, what is it worth you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So what is it worth if you're very savvy online and you're a great influencer, but you don't know the truth and you don't know Christ as Lord and you're not making him known? So we need to be discerning and wise people. In the show notes, I'll give you a number of books and sources that you can read on this. Thank you for joining me on Truth Tribe. Remember, the Truth Tribe, we're not tribal. Everyone should be in the tribe of truth. I'm your guest and host, Doug Grotheis, teach philosophy at Denver Seminary. You can reach me there at denverseminary.edu or on my webpage at douglasgrotheis.com. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.